This is our take two of A Pint with Shawnee B. I just nearly did the thing that I keep worrying about, which is forgetting to press the right button. But luckily we caught it in time. I'm in this beautiful home in Bermondsey in London, and it is full of beautiful, colorful stuff stuff (laughs) that has clearly been uh, gathered over many years as parrots and trinkets and butterflies and love hearts and a lovely pink smeg fridge which I've never seen before I'm in the home of somebody who is considered one of the doyens and leaders of the fashion scene in Britain for many many decades she is a leader of the Central St. Martin's Fashion School and she received a MBE a few years ago for her services to fashion and textile design She's also been involved in educating people as famous as John Galliano, Craig Green, Stella McCartney, Alexander McQueen, and Alexander McQueen's current creative director, Sarah Burton. I'm welcoming to the podcast, Natalie Gibson. Welcome. Thank you. Was that a better intro? That was good. (laughs) That was the second intro. Except I'm not head of fashion. No. I'd get into such trouble. I know. So I I just said a leader. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that was different. The first time I got it wrong, I said she was head of fashion, but you're head of print The fashion with print. So my students print or do something to fabric. Right. So I was reading a little bit, doing my research uh, last night, and the print is the actual design of the fabric. Is yes. Primarily what I mean, you're... it doesn't necessarily have to be printed. It could be embroidered or you can yes. burn holes in it or something, but hmm. they do stuff with their fabric. So it's the raw material. So in an ideal world, they could use really cheap, crappy fabric or plastic or whatever, yeah. and, but make it look beautiful by doing something to it. Right. Because there's lots of bits of the fashion yeah. school, so you can do pure women's wear, pure men's wear. Yeah. You can do fashion with knit, fashion with print fashion with marketing so my students do fashion with print we're going to try and maybe take a journey through your life when I was looking researching you I found that you're half Russian yeah my father was Russian ah, do you speak any Russian yet yet <laughs> not yet <laughs> Actually, he taught me one phrase it's not very useful it, though is it rude well, I think I probably say it wrong now. No, it's not rude because he taught me when I was five. And it's Tishna Mishna Kotna Krishna. Oh. Can you speak Russian? No. It Tishna means, Krishna well, it Russian. means hush mice, the cat is on the roof. Oh. It's Andy. <laughs> whatever. But I don't think I say it quite right now. So your father came here from Russia? He came from Moscow. He left Moscow at the revolution, 1917. Wow. He was born in 1900. Right, but he was a refugee or just Yeah, well, I think off. he eventually ended up in London, but, you know, they went through Sweden. And okay, okay. And your mother was? Scottish. Whereabouts in Scotland? Oh, Marisha, quite north, 20 miles from Inverness. And you, you were telling me before we, we, we pressed record the second time <laughs> that uh, you were shipped off there when one of your early memories was when during yeah. the war. Well, I mean, I don't remember being shipped off because I was so little, but yeah. I was pushed off to live with my grandparents on a farm, which was fabulous. And I was there till I was seven, I was there. You know, my father would appear occasionally in sort of full naval uniform with clutching a big Russian doll or something because right. he'd been an archangel because he could speak Russian so he was in the Navy couldn't understand a word I said because I had such a thick Scottish accent and where you did know. the Scottish accent go? Well, because I was then sent to boarding school uh, age seven no one understanding me yeah. it's tragic really <laughs> I couldn't believe my parents sent me to boarding school anyway 
Why do they send you to boarding school? Exactly. Why they just said, oh, Natasha, that's what we'd have done if you'd been a boy. (laughs) But I wasn't a boy. Anyway, I wrote to my grandfather, dear grandpa, please send me a pussycat. And he did. To boarding school? Yeah. What boarding school did you go to? It was called Frencham Heights. It was a progressive co-educational boarding school Mm. where I learnt very little. What did you study there? Well, you know, the usual things. But oh, I literally right. didn't have to think till I was about 13. Because right. in those days, I don't know if it's the same, Scottish education's miles ahead of English education. Yeah. So I sort of lost all powers of concentration, basically, and spent my entire time in the art room. So when you came down, you were way ahead of everyone else who was your age? Yeah, for things like arithmetic and yeah. all that stuff, I didn't have to think. But um, And was, was that the start of your interest in art? or was it Probably, because... You don't you remember know, doing before then? No. no, no, not really. And so when you were in the art room, that was your escape just from the tedium of yes, learning something you'd already my learned. My art teacher, can you believe this? She was called Frida Kahlo. Oh. No, Frida Harlow. Okay, not Kahlo. Frida Harlow, but it was quite close. She had a monobrow. I, I, I was very famous as well for having a monobrow like her, so I'm very <laughs> conscious of that. Did her. you? <laughs> I have to now pluck my eyebrows. Maybe we probably cut that out of the podcast. <laughs> Um, so, well, you should leave it in. Yeah, maybe. I know. It's like, um, well, and and so that was just your secondary school. So you were doing sort of getting to go to do A levels and stuff like that. Yeah, they were called O then. levels and A levels. Yeah. yeah. And how that. were you? Did you know what you okay. wanted to do? No, not really. Well, what happened was there was, a, I was just starting my A levels, and there was a boy called Philip Harrison who's in a band called the Temperance Seven. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. Right. And. Um, he went to Chelsea Art School. He was brilliant at drawing. And he was sort of leaning against the fabulous, telling us all about Chelsea Art School. And I lived just around the corner from... My parents lived around the corner from there. So, dear Mummy and Daddy, I think I want to go to Chelsea Art School. And very... Un- because of some hunky guy, just... Oh, he wasn't hunky. Oh, he wasn't hunky, no. But he was really nice, but he was he was horrid. He was edgy, wasn't he? At school, he was horrid. He used to set light to our hair and stuff, but I like him now. Anyway, he... <laughs> So my mother took my stuff off the wall and went round there. All paintings of cats, I might say. Oh, yes, he said. She's very talented. She can come. I mean, that just wouldn't happen now. No. Nowadays, I'd never have got in, you know. Right, it's just, right. And uh, so I was a term late, so I never really got to grips with perspective or anatomy. I think right. I missed out on but anyway, so I went to Chelsea Art School and that was So it. what was it like growing up in, in sort of London around that time? Like, so oh. you're, you're, we're coming, we're in sort of the 50s. Yeah, we're, we're in the late 50s. Late 50s, so we're, getting, we're Beatlemania coming 56, and all that stuff. 56, yeah. I went to Chelsea Art School. Right, what was it like living here then? It was great because my parents lived in Chelsea and they were always, there were these quite specifically groovy pubs in Chelsea at the yeah. time. There was one called Finch's in Fulham Road and there was the Queen's Elm, which was further down and another one called the Anglesey. And they used to leave me outside of these pubs with, you know, my ginger ale or whatever. Yeah. And then the day came when I went in. <laughs> so yeah, so, and so all these people who taught at Chelsea Art School, which was tiny, they were all really amazing practicing artists themselves. You know, mm. there's Liz Frink and Bob Catworthy, really brilliant people teaching. And they were all in the pub, you know, so it was, it was very bohemian in those yeah. days. And opposite Chelsea Art School, the one I went to, there was a kind of artist studios on the other side of the road, proper kind of Chelsea artists who yeah. wore coats and big hats. I just thought it was fantastic. Does it feel 
How do you feel looking at Chelsea today, which is very rich and it's, oh. it's a bit vacuous, isn't it? Yeah, it's completely different. It's just it's lost its soul, hasn't it? Well, there's something about these areas that when they're kind of run down, artists find them because yeah. they're cheap. And then when the artists the take hold, all they the, become attractive. All come in and kick the artists out because the rents go through the roof. And I mean, I even New York City, uh, Manhattan, even yeah. that sort of has happened. And, and you hear a lot of grumbling people in Manhattan. That it's just I mean, totally I think gentle. it's terribly sad what's happening to London. Yeah. Because, I mean, how can anyone Survive. ever buy anything? Yeah. I was talking to some students the other day and they were paying, well, they'd gone to look at a flat. Maybe they were quite rich students, actually. But the flat was 1200 a week. I mean, that's what this house cost. Yeah. I <laughs> did It's ridiculous. Well, I mean, I've, a number of people who are in the art world have commented about this issue to do with London, where zones one, two, three, you can't, you can't be. You, you have to move out. You have to move and out landlords here. kind of quadruple the rent all of a sudden yes, that yeah, seems yeah. shocking and huge deposits required to before you even move in yeah. and the same thing's happening in Dublin and the same thing's happening in Sydney and the same thing's happening all over the world so I don't know we need to find new enclaves but people I mean the elephant castle's all been pulled down and they're building flats but apparently they've all been bought by people in Hong Kong yeah, yeah. that Hong shouldn't Kong be allowed should no. well that's what they call capitalism, I'm afraid. It's really sad. So Chelsea Art School was small then, right? It was, it was tiny. It was above a polytechnic. Um, right. It was at the top floor and it was really well attended. And there were quite a lot of Debbie girls there as well, I have to say. But A lot of what girls? Debbie sort of girls. That, so that almost finishing school sort okay, of girls. Okay, right. Rich girls. Debbie, there were, right. There were a few sort of Debs. They were Deb. Oh, Debutantes. Oh, sorry. Okay. Right. Yeah. But on the whole, it was very, it was lots of really poor people. And nowadays, that's really hard getting into art school if you haven't got your right exams and you haven't got the right money because it's really expensive. Everything's yeah. changed. It's yeah. become much more Exclusive. corporate and yeah. business-like and money matters, mm. you know. Were your parents um, encouraging of your art? They were very encouraging, but... Yeah, they were encouraging. I mean, I can remember printing a mermaid one day and taking it home to show my father. My father said, Natasha, that doesn't look like a mermaid. He was in the Navy. Yeah. And my mother, quick as a flash, said, how would you know, yeah. George? And of course, the thing about art is, the, you know, the sky is green and the grass is blue, right? That's mm. the, what we're always taught. Yes. You know, don't criticise a child. But they had, they had a lovely friend called Rodney Thomas, who was an architect. And he was six foot five. And he took great interest he always looked at my work from school you know right and so he was really encouraging in fact i had an exhibition when i was still at school but i never knew till a long time later because they thought i'd get big-headed but it was all cats i'd drawn painted you love cats how can you love cats so much because i lived on a farm in scotland and there were, and there were about 30 cats and, stuff, yeah. and my grandfather used to get up in the morning and make the porridge and then walk to the byre where the cows were Boos, 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 they all followed him. Yeah. They had porridge and fresh milk every well day. Scottish cat. Except on Sunday when they had saps, which is because he didn't make porridge on Sunday. And he which, sent you one down to your boarding school? Yeah, he did. How did he send it? Came in a basket with sort of lumps of meat to cream attached and said a label saying, please feed pussy. And the porter wrote, pussy fed at crew 3 a.m. 
pussy fed again at Euston, nine o'clock. They wouldn't do it. This is very Harris secretary. I was doing woodwork. She said, Natalie, were you expecting a cat? <laughs> so we had to go and And they didn't it. mind you having one? No, they didn't seem to mind, but the cat didn't like the school porridge and kept running away. And then oh, the, the maths master said he'd look after it till half term. Okay. So we were able to run down and see the cat? Yeah. And then my parents lived on the top floor of a, you know, fourth four floors up that we can't possibly have a cat yeah. going straight back to Scotland oh, no. so I thought I knew when I woke up it wouldn't be there but actually it lasted 23 years really? up in Scotland it went no, back to Scotland it, no, it stayed, stayed in London and it was called Dubonnet because my father called it Dubonnet because it looked like there was a label on a Dubonnet bottle Dubonnet, with a black and white a black and white cat yeah, and, yeah. and so that was your little favourite cat so you started drawing cats was your first thing yeah, I got forbidden to draw cats at school because <laughs> I drew, them, I drew too, many. too many cats. So when you're getting through your college years, was anything forming in your mind? I know I'm trying to aim for a Twiggy story in the 60s. So oh, how do we get to that from twiggy. leaving school? Like what was... Well, then I was at Chelsea for a bit, and then my uncle Willie in Scotland said, and so, oh, what is the best art school, blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, probably the Royal College. Well, you'd better go there then. So I took my work to show them at the Royal College. It was too soon because I hadn't finished the course, and they were quite nice. So I applied to the Royal College. And I was doing painting at Chelsea by then. So I thought, arrogantly thought, well, I'm not going to apply to the painting school because I know how to paint. Oh. Nobody can teach me. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> well, Anyway, so I thought, well, I'll do textiles because I'd had to do that as a craft because I, mm. I said to you, I got to Chelsea late and the sort of chic thing to do was a craft. You had to do a craft. So I went and did textiles. And you didn't know college. what really textiles... Well, I enjoyed it. Were, yeah. I enjoyed it. And um, I liked my time at Royal College. I was three years there. But it never sort of occurred to me I'd ever get a job. Yeah. I didn't really think that far ahead. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then by the time I'd finished, I had a baby Oh, really? Well. What age were you when you had a child? Well, he's he was born in 61, so... Right. Was that out of the blue, or was that... You don't have to talk about well, it. Well, I mean, yeah, it? I was just trying to master the Dutch cap at the time. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. But, um, yeah, so... But what uh, was it like to be, you know, a mother, like, at that young, young age? And well, it was... I was... Um, I married a guy who was at St. Martin's, and my parents... I told them on Friday that I was going to get married on Monday, and they were hysterical, you I know. Bet, yeah. So everyone was hanging out the window at the Chelsea Registry Office to see if my parents were coming to stop it, but they didn't. But then they said they'd signed a suicide pact. Ooh. Anyway, they hid my birth certificate and everything, you know, but anyway, got they married. They were not happy. Had, no, not happy at all. Um, Did they eventually get over it? Or? Yeah, sort of. Time heals. Or? They, they used to sort of march my children to Harrods to have their hair cut and stuff. <laughs> they taught them to play bridge and then if they lost, they had to go to Harrods. So of course, that they learnt to cheat. <laughs> but, um, yeah long time ago so then so you were working with uh, the textiles and is this now when you started making your own uh, prints that were starting to get I uh, know what happened was or? you used to do freelance so you sort of have your, I didn't even have a portfolio in those days I just had yeah. my roll of fabric designs and I, I used did to this, take, I did this. <laughs> take them to people I sort of got fed up because people always liked designs I'd done ages ago rather than the ones I'd just done so right. I thought well I'll print my own I'll 
print maybe three designs that I really like. So yeah. I was printing them upstairs and washing my screen in the bath and all that. Right. Here? Here. Oh, so it's okay. You, you moved here then? Yeah. To this house in, yeah. the, in the early 60s? Yeah. Wow. Caroline Conran was the buyer for Habitat at the time, right. Terence's yeah. wife. Yeah. So she'd ordered 15, 15 yards for lampshades or, you know, yeah. people ordered this and that. And then she said, oh, Terence has just come in and he likes that design and he wants to buy it. And I went, well, he can't because I'm doing it myself. Well, he like Name two more of his own, you know. So, okay. Then she said, Terence wants to know how his designs are getting Oh, they're fine. I've done one, which of course I hadn't because I didn't <laughs> really believe him. Anyway, so I ended up doing an entire collection for oh. him. Well, I was embarrassed. I went to the sort of opening and they... They were all my designs on the walls. So I didn't quite know where to look. You are, you were very humble. You know, well, I was just surprised. I know, but like that was a big breakthrough, I right? know it was. I'd make more of it now. I mean, <laughs> well, like, I was used to doing things for heels and they'd, yeah. they'd have an opening. There'd be lot, you know, at least 12 designers yeah. who'd done stuff for the heels collection. And all the sales girls had to wear clothes made out of the fabrics for the party you know right. that sort of thing so I thought that the Conran one would be the same but it wasn't and then some friends of mine were doing because Twiggy was sort of famous as a model and some firm and you know not a very nice firm I don't think in the West End or decided they'd start you know they'd use her to do have a collection a Twiggy collection yeah and friends of mine were doing it and they couldn't find any prints they liked so that's how I started doing prints for Twiggy so then my little 15 meters upstairs became impossible so I had to go to Ireland to have printed oh where in Ireland Lurgan what's it Lurgan Lurgan. Northern Ireland yeah Northern Ireland that's the only place I've been you were now getting sort of a little bit semi-industrial it's getting semi-industrial and quite scary I was doing prints for all sorts of things, even lavatories and baths yeah, and yeah. anything that needed to print. I did tiles and tea towels, and, but um, but then also I because you don't you know you can't really rely on that. And I had two children by then, yeah. And I applied to do a day of teaching at Hornsey or something. I didn't hear, so I rang up and said, "What have I got a job or not? Because I'm going away for three. I was going to Portugal three months right. for holiday." Yeah. And they gave me a job, you know. So being an art teacher kind of thing? Yeah, teaching foundation students. Funny, because I went across the road to a gallery the other day. It was called Matt's Gallery, and we walked in. I said, oh, I just wanted to see your gallery, because I'd heard it was great. And he said, oh, it's shut at the moment, but I'll show you. And he said, but I recognize you. He said, you taught me foundation in 1962. You have this big long list. I only mentioned a few at the start of the podcast of, of people who who you've touched. How does it feel to have have such a? It's I kind of like it's a wonderful life. My favorite movie yes, where they show where they show all the things that would have happened if you I hadn't think, been here. Yeah, no, I think it's just that just been around for so long. Yeah, well, that's yeah, <laughs> yeah, you've been around teaching people. Gonna, that was your first experience teaching, was it? Mm. I was or, terrified. You were terrified. Yeah, <laughs> I remember standing outside the door thinking. I've got to know more than they do because they've yes. just arrived and I've been at Royal yeah. College for three years. Yeah. Your own textile design stuff was getting into more business-like shape, was it? Well, that, that was the ones I was printing, but obviously I was selling designs yeah. to sort of companies in Italy and New York or yeah. wherever. So a fashion house would bring you up and hire you for a new look that they're... Is that the kind of way you get... Mm, well, sometimes, yes. I mean, I worked 
closely with a few fashion designers so mm. that that's a nice thing to do otherwise I work with this company in Italy who they were seven brothers who loved coming here right. and playing football with the kids and buying stuff and stealing things <laughs> designs not stuff yeah. not things but as far as I know um, <laughs> backing out the door rather than talk about money you know but they were quite they, yeah where have they ended up where do they end up with oh, they're, they're a company called Mantero they've got Palace okay. in Como or somewhere yeah you could send some of the stuff back now lads yeah <laughs> so uh, <laughs> no they'd say I said do you by any chance cut that design off and said, yes we did they were the Chinese of the time yeah <laughs> how do you feel about all that kind of ripping off plagiarism all that stuff that goes on in the business nothing to be done about it it's gone on for so long hasn't it yeah. I mean and it's not just your business it's every it's yeah. movies and music and everything I don't know. I, I mean, I've recently been to China quite a lot. Well, I've been twice. I lived in Guangzhou for a year. Did you? Yeah, oh. Every three or four months, they had the biggest trade fair. No, 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 I, no. It's a former canton. Because there are lots of Chinese students come, you yeah. know, pass through St. Martin's. Yeah. And one of them, an ex-student, invited me to, over to teach, you know, because all the students there want to come to St. Martin's. Yes. So I went over to do a project and they said, you know, is there anything you're particularly interested in in China? And I said, I'm really interested in the Miao tribe because I'd been to China once to judge a fashion yeah, show. Yeah. And Is that because of your interest in cats? No, but that's no, why that's I remembered the name. The that is why I remembered <laughs> the name. And they just arranged it so that it went to Beijing for one minute, it mm. seemed like, and then we flew off to the Miao tribe and we so were there. So where are they? They're north. We, they're all over, but yeah. But yeah, I mean, they're even in Vietnam and... Yeah. and uh, what was so fascinating about them to you? Oh, just, they were beautiful looking people with sort of flat faces and big rosy cheeks. Yeah. And their embroidery was wonderful. I said, can I bring my husband? Mm. And they went, and I said, because he could teach the watercolours yeah, a lot, and they yes. agreed. And so... So your husband, John Whelans, he's a famous uh, architect and artist, right? Yeah, he's given up architecture yeah. a bit like you. He's just a painting now. So that was, you know, that was an amazing treat, really, because we got sort of flown over first class. It was brilliant. Spoiled me forever. Yeah. And treated, you know, like ancient rock stars. All these Chinese students call me grandma. Okay. <laughs> and um, and so quite a few of them are now coming to St. Martin's. Right. managed to get in. So my, Do you I've find been, any difference between the Asian uh, student and the, and the, the local student? Uh, they work really they work hard. hard yeah. They work so hard. All night. I mean, I've got a student, she's in her second year now. Well, no, she's just finished her second year. But to get her to come out, even for a supper, mm. you know, she's working. Yeah. Like a lunatic, you know. And, and also they've been, I think they've been kind of reared as special people. These, You know, one family One, business, one child family, yeah. One yeah. child. And I mean, I had one of them to stay recently in the country and she was that terrified of the spiders and insects. Yeah. And, <laughs> and she said, you know, they would ne her parents or any parents would never have allowed her to, as a kid to play in the fountains outside King's Cross because of the germs and yeah, this and that. And they sort of cosseted, you know. We have, yeah, we have a cosseted and uh, kind of corralled bunch of children in the world. Uh -huh. yeah. So where are we at now? We're at... Oh, Miao. China. No, I was just saying, I was so impressed with China, mm. in fact. 
Well, you obviously know because you've been there, but being taken to meals with huge round t- lazy yeah, Susie tables yeah. with about 50 different things on them. And they just go them. like that. It's all with obliterated in 20 minutes. And you just think, yeah. they must be astonished when they come to England know, and it's meat and two veg. I, know, I mean, I how dull is that? Yeah. Um, you're back, You were t- so you started teaching now, if we're back to the, to the timeline, and clearly that's become your life calling. Yes, I started teaching, I suppose, at the foundation of students at Hornsey, and then I moved into teaching the textile department. Yeah. And then I was with a very kind of great team. I kept being offered a job at St. Martin's and thinking, oh, I don't know why I want to move. Why were you, not, why were you not, just because the devil you know? Because I was so happy at okay. Hornsey. Okay, okay. I loved it. So this was uh, 1980, right, or 81 when you moved? Yeah, about 1980. I was teaching there a day or so okay. already. That I started teaching there... At St. Martin's, I was doing a day or two days, maybe in the 60s, actually, yeah. drawing and things. That's when I met all the Galliano lot, yeah. Stephen Jones. Well, they were more, they were later, they were more. Well, when did he leave? He left in 84, I think. When you see some of these people who've gone on to become fantastic fashion designers, were you, were you able to go, yeah, that one, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. and that. Have is, you got a good nose? That's actually common question right about, I'm sorry I'm no 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 about you know can you tell with John Gallian you could certainly tell yeah. but you can't always tell yeah. I mean he was just amazing because his mm. sketchbooks were fantastic he was always up and down the stairs with a boy called John Flett they were always trying on each other's clothes they never stopped working basically. and he also seems to be a guy who didn't start moving which is what I like about yeah. him you know he did give was on there's no stopping he, he moved, him yeah Anyway, I mean, you probably can't say because you're not that type of person. But was there, is there are, are there off are there some out there? You go, I have no idea how that person made it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and also, I mean, wherever I go, meet ex students. Yeah, and I'm always so impressed that they're sort of still at it. Yeah. You know what I mean? They it's easy to quit, I'm sure. Yeah, it's easy to get disheartened. There's so many fashion students, yeah. you know, and they're not that many jobs but yeah. you've got to scratch the surface in all these fashion houses they're there and so ever since then you've been involved very centrally at Central St. Martin's yes. and when you look back at the the way that the world has changed because I mean the, the idea that you've, you you have this anchor home here which is you know the world has changed all around you yeah. what are the things that you, you kind of bemoan First of all, maybe in the business, and secondly, maybe mm, in life. I mean, as far as students are concerned, I sort of bemoan, I don't bemoan it really, it's just that yeah, the technology's word. got so, it's become so amazing, hasn't it? You know, yeah. you mention an artist, whereas they'd go and look up in the library, they just go yeah. click, 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 oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. You know. There's no, it's no so instant. Mind-blowingly different. I mean, we didn't even have photocopiers yeah. when I was a student. Yeah. Cow gum and all that cow stuff. Cow gum, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Whatever happened to cow gum? I don't know. It was some big company that was making that, and then suddenly, oh, it's all gone. Tins of I think cow it was gum. made of gelatin from... Horses' hooves or something. Cow's hooves, yeah. Anyway, that's cow gum. We must look up with that. But, but also, the technology has also taken away from... Well, it's got the fluency di- of, of... Digital of printing. Digital printing, yeah, and all that. Uh, yeah. 
So is that why you found yourself? You, you, you've also been interested in India a lot as well, right? Yeah. You've done, just get, getting to sort of back to places that actually do it. Yeah. It's so, so kind of the opposite. Yes. Doing that stuff in India, printing with mud. Yeah. Yeah. Which is about this really ancient technique. Yeah. And I'm sure that's going to be important, though, just doing stuff with your hand. I mean, I know that's well, a bit of a cliche. Everybody yeah. says that, but... And the stuff that it's gets just, pumped out technology-wise is cheap. It's just satisfaction, no. really, of yeah. doing something and with the your artisan hands. nature of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, because I, I love printing with paper stencils. I like printing with open screen and the paper stencils. You cut the stencil and you print. And it's really basic and yeah. easy, and anyone can do it. Um, what about like in a, in a life sense? What about you know looking back to some you know, the time you spent here in London? And we talked earlier about London being overpriced and getting gentrified. But yeah. is there anything else that you kind of? I mean, I love London. I yeah. I do have a place in the country. I bought with my money from printing for Twiggy. <laughs> I made a thousand pounds, which sounds like I mean, that doesn't sound very much now, but it seemed quite a lot of money then. And I yeah. bought a cottage with it. Great. Yeah. which I still have. So do you, do you switch between the two? Yeah, well, I go there quite a lot. Right, okay. But it is in the middle of nowhere, and it is very... Okay. And so are you still actively, every year, do you set yourself, like, a task to do your own collection every year? Or do you design something? No, I don't something? do my own collection, but I do a lot of printing. Or I've had a couple of exhibitions recently, so I've had to do lots of... And then I had another one in China. Okay. Do you have a favourite, looking back on all the various designs you've done, do you have a thing that you go... That was the best thing I ever did. Yeah, I probably. I've got a few I really like right, yeah. that I'm proud of. So the other question I always ask people is, you know, when you look back on the on your career and all the very the great people that you've uh, mentored and, and taught, what would you say to not not necessarily the younger you, but to a you know a, a young teenager who's thinking of taking a a road through fashion design what would you what advice yeah, which would you I give them? have to do quite often because yeah. people always ring up and say oh would you mind speaking to my cousin's daughter because she really wants to go to St Martin's um, I'd say they have to keep a sketchbook really I, that's what I always say Yeah, keep, keep a sketchbook keep like it's a diary draw in it every day so you can look back and think oh I was there and, I have a know, quote from you which says don't stop drawing and looking and being curious Oh, that's absolutely... Yeah, I, I still... That. Did I? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I don't know. I picked it up from my research. But, yeah, well, I would go for but that. I love that. I think that's it, really. Yeah. Because you... Even if you can't draw very well, you meet, you're looking. Your eyes. You yeah. become perceptive somehow. Yeah. But the thing is about drawing, if you do it every day, you just get better at it so quickly. yeah. yeah. I'm just going to use that as my opening to the podcast. Don't stop drawing and looking and being curious. <laughs> it's lovely to have met you and chatted with you. And I love your humility as well. <laughs> thank you for inviding me into your home. And thank you for I the wise I don't really feel like words. I told you anything. That's... Well, I got a lot out of it. Did you? Yeah. Best of luck with everything. Thank you. Bye. Bye.